So last week, we started this series called Bold Moves, and the whole heart and the assignment behind it as God has given us is that uh, Christ has called us to live bold. Everybody, one more time, shout bold. To live bold, outstanding, and impactful lives. Lives that are free from fear and from intimidation. The fact of the matter is, as I've told you, many of you before, that we are in a day and time where fear and intimidation has paralyzed people. Even those who name the name of the Lord. Come on. And the challenge is that many of you, God has called you to do things, but you have been unable to carry it out. Because of fear and intimidation. In fact, the Bible prophesies that in these last days, that people's hearts will fail them for fear. And so I'm believing, I'm believing, oh my, I'm believing that we have victory as Jesus has provisioned victory through the cross over fear. And I'm believing that someone who walked in here today, I know that some of you, it took, you had to travel through hell and high water to come through these doors. But I'm believing that, the, that because God allowed you to be here on today, that the best is yet to come. I mean, is there anybody in here that's not going to look at me screw face, but instead you're going to put a smile on your face because you know that the best days are ahead of you? Come on, if you believe it, why don't you go ahead in this moment and just put those hands together and open your mouth. Somebody just put a shout in this atmosphere. Come on. So look, I just want to start. You know, there was a time uh, last year that was really scary for me. My dad uh, is my superhero. And I had a moment where, you know, I was in my basement at the house. And, yo, my dad is a G fam. Like, he is not, he is not out here playing games. He works out twice a week. He and my mom, you know, they, they not only do this, they eat health. They, eat a, they lead a, health li a healthy lifestyle. They actually lost over, uh, I believe, 100 pounds you know, it was like they, they've lost a lot of weight and they've gotten their health on track. And my parents, my dad, just so you understand, my dad, he's turning 85 this year. Like, so he's not playing games. And, you know, one day, I'll never forget, I was in my basement and I got a call. Just suddenly my phone rings and I'm just like, what on earth is going on? And the phone rings. And somebody on the, uh, the, uh, the other line, I couldn't make out who it was. And it turns out it was my auntie. And my auntie's like, uh, my auntie's like, you know, uh, your dad just, your dad just um, passed out in the, at the gym. He just passed out at the gym and the ambulance is coming and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what on earth? Anybody else ever like really idolized your parents to the point where you never thought that anything would, you know, would ever happen to them? Maybe I'm not the only one. Any other, let me see the hands. Anybody who's like, yo, my parents are superheroes. Yeah. And so it was one of those times where I got in the car. You know, I broke every law. I already rehearsed it in my head. Like, I'm, what I'm going to tell the boy them if they pull me over. Me like, yo, my dad, my dad fainted. Yo, you need to be my escort, fam. Like, help the man them get there early. So anyway, like, I ended up getting, making it to the gym where they work out. And, you know, and turns out that the way that it happened, there was a doctor there, and the doctor she, um, who, who runs the whole health thing that she does there and where they're at, she was there, and it was so, the grace of God is so good. My dad, because of the way he was leaning, right, he, he, had, he, had, felt, he had fallen um, forward instead of falling off the chair, because he was sitting on a chair with no back, and he could have fallen off and, and hit his head, but he fell over into a crouch position, right? And what had happened was his blood pressure meds, I'm just putting all his business on the street. 
but he was taking blood pressure meds for a long time and he didn't realize that his blood pressure had actually normalized and so he was still taking see some of y'all didn't know that stuff was possible so he made a shift and it actually changed and consequently he didn't realize and he was still taking these meds and so it caused him to have low blood pressure and he fell out but he fell forward and the thing is this this doctor who was there she because she's there she comes to the rescue she revives him gets him where he needs to be and he she you know gave him the right the drink that he needed and all this stuff to bring his all of his stuff back to where it needed to be and i was just i went in there i was so grateful i was so excited that she had you know that she had saved my dad and took care of him and and that he was going to be okay and all of this that i run in there and i try to give her this big old hug like thank you and you know pastor andrew is a side hugger right uh but in that moment i'm like i'm just so grateful that you saved my dad and i went to give her a hug and she gave me one of these you ever tried to hug people and they just like block it like they're, you know, the, 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 these are the ones, these are the funniest ones. When you come in for the hug and people will just kind of reach around and tap you on the back. And so, y'all don't know nothing about that, do you? Okay. It's a real deal. It's, a, it's real life, right? And, you know, and so there's some of you that I know, I don't even, I don't even try to give you a hug. Because you, just the way that people are, some people, we just, you just don't like people in your personal space, you know. And so she came, fam, she put up that block real fast. And it was a half hug. She was not allowing me to give her this full embrace to say thank you, you know. Uh, and I'm not putting any names out there because you don't want to shade her. Like, you shaded my pastor. But she, she, she blocked it. And I was unable to give her and to embrace her the way that I wanted to because of how she had blessed and helped my dad. And it made me realize in that moment that, you know, the fact is that we govern and we determine the level of interaction um, or intimacy that we have with people come on somebody and we are the ones that are the governors that that determine the level that we are going to engage or that we are going to interact or what we are going to allow and no I'm not talking just about relationships because when we're talking about bold moves last week I began talking and teaching about the Holy Spirit and the importance of being in a place where we as believers understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives anybody know that the Holy Ghost is important and usually like I told you people he's just that guy that's that just at the end of the, the the run Father Son and Holy Ghost you know but we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is not only a person uh, within the triune God but the Holy Spirit is God as well and the Holy Spirit watch this is God in us and especially in the church right now and many of us we've been doing these to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's desire is to be intimate with you the Holy Spirit God desires to be intimate with you through the Holy Spirit and the fact of the matter is that many of us we are so we are the governors as it pertains to how much of the holy spirit and consequently how much of god we experience as christians are you with me and so i want i want to talk about this because if we're going to live bold lives the, the holy spirit and boldness are synonymous oftentimes 
And so we've got to be individuals that are, that are experiencing all that ha God has for us. And so boldness, as we said, comes through the Holy Spirit. And so as we're talking about ho who the Holy Spirit is and the Holy Spirit being God, remember, uh, and for some of you, you may not know this, and just to highlight, in Genesis chapter 1, I got scriptures for you today, so note takers, I encourage you to write this down. This is actually a pivotal teaching for our church, and I'm believing that God is getting ready to take us to the next level because of it. Anybody have faith with me this morning that that's going to happen? So look, write down Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, because we see, remember, as John says in John 1 verse 1 and 2, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, right? And so here in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we also see the Holy Spirit who is there present as well. As the Bible says, the Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the deep. And so in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see this. But not only that, we are in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 5, there's a story of an individual by the name of two individuals by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody say Ananias and Sapphira and Sapphira were individuals they, they were in a time where God was doing this thing where he put on the heart of the people in the church to bring all their possessions together the Bible makes it clear in Acts chapter 4 there was no need among them it was amazing and Ananias and Sapphira are like they're like we want to look good too everybody's look, bringing all their possessions doing their stuff and so what they did was they ended up just giving the Bible says a portion right they didn't give what they, 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 they were being deceptive in what it is that they were giving. And look at what the, the Bible says here, because I want to establish this, and I believe that this is going to take us to the next level. Acts chapter 5, Bible says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? The Bible says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Watch this. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? But to God. Everybody say God. Watch this. When Ananias heard these words, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. So he drops dead because he lies to God because he's deceptive in what he's giving. So they're trying to make it seem as if they're giving more than they actually were giving. And so their hearts were wrong and they were lying to God. One more time, say God. Watch this. This is why this is important. I'm just teaching you this so you can see this. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down, gave up, uh, breathed his last and all of this. And then verse 6 says, um, and the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Holy Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at the feet and breathed her last. 
And the Bible says, when the young men came in, they found her dead and carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? Because this isn't the Old Testament. Some people think stuff like this only happens in the Old Testament, right? This is the New Testament. And so although it's not as pervasive as it was in the Old Testament, there are a lot of us that are experiencing difficulty in our lives because of deception. Oh, this is Bible, fam. And this New Testament Bible right and i'm not here to bring doom and gloom and all of this sorts of stuff but notice this though i want you to understand what happens in this passage i want you to go back with me to verse three but peter said ananias why is satan filled in your heart to lie to the who the holy spirit so he says he, they, that she that he's lied to the holy spirit and then look in verse uh in, ver, as in verse four after he says that you could have done with it what you wanted to do with it he goes on and he says at the end of it, you have not lied in verse four. You have not lied to man, but you have lied to who? To God. So here we see Holy Spirit and God being used synonymously. So I'm sharing this with you to let you know, uh, not to scare you, <laughs> but to let you know that the Holy Spirit is also God. The Holy Spirit possesses deity was there from the beginning just like God the Father and just like uh, Jesus in the beginning. And so God is comprised, for those of you who are new to Christianity, no, we are not polytheistic. However, we believe that our one God is triune. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Father sent His Son to die for the sins of mankind. And after Jesus left, God comes to the earth by the Holy Spirit, and now can be in us. This is good stuff. Somebody say, in me. in me. And this is powerful, because in the Old Testament, we saw the Holy Spirit pop up and just fall on certain people, on people, to accomplish certain tasks. But in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus promises in John chapter 7, as I shared with you last week, he says that the Holy Spirit was not yet given. And there's this promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come and not just be on select individuals, but God is going to come into us. But through trust and faith in Christ, we are going to be able to have Christ in us and have God in us by the Holy Spirit. That's good news, isn't it? And so look, I want you to understand this because when we're talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit, God does not want you to just have a, test ta a taste test with the Holy Ghost. God does not want you to just have a one-night stand with the Holy Ghost. Here it is, point number one. Can I give it to you? If I can give it to you, say, give it to me. Here it is, point number one, beyond the screens for you. God wants you to have a spirit-filled life, not just a spirit-filled event. Fick it, fick it. Let me give it to you again. God wants us, watch this, to have a spirit-filled life, not just a spirit-filled event. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because many of us, especially if you grew up in church or in a charismatic church, which means that you believe especially and embrace the Holy Spirit and all that he brings to the table. Uh, the fact is that many of us, we view our experience with the Holy Spirit as just an event. And I mentioned this last week, the, that day when I was filled with the Holy Ghost. That day or that time when I tarried and I received. And I just want to reiterate for those who missed it. And you need to go and watch part one on YouTube if you have not uh, checked it out. But I want to let you know they tarried 
Because the Holy Spirit was making his entrance into the earth for everyone the first time. So this is why they tarry. But now we just trust and believe in Jesus. And we don't tarry. We, the Holy Spirit, as I shared with you, is a part of the salvation experience. It's a part of the package. So watch, watch this. So we get the Holy Spirit from the inception of our salvation. Are you with me? And so being, so, so this is this whole idea. God wants us not to have a spirit-filled event, but the Bible you'll see, and we're getting ready to talk about this and unpack this. I love this. I was so excited to teach this this morning. I was, I was just pacing back and forth in the office. Like, I can't wait to see him because I want to share this with you. So look, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just an event. God wants us to have a spirit-filled life. So it's not just an event, but it's something that we experience. Now, watch this. I want you to understand this. I want to, I want to, to illustrate these things in a few ways for you this morning. Is it okay if we illustrate? So look, many of us, it's a box of matches. When we think about our being spirit-filled, this is what I mean. We often think about it in this way. Hopefully we don't set the alarms off. This is what we think about, right? When we think about the Holy Spirit. When we think about our experience with the Holy Spirit. And the fact of the matter is that guess what happens eventually, right? It burns out because we just think about the Holy Spirit and our view of it and our perspective is often like a match. But the thing is that God's desire for us is not to be to a place where we have a match experience with the Holy Ghost. But his desire, don't ask me why I know how to do this too good. Uh, but his desire, come on somebody. His desire is for us, watch this, to have a spirit-filled experience where we're constantly on fire. And watch this, because we're connected to something. The fire is not just connected to a piece of wood. But the fire, why this lighter can keep going, is because there's something in the lighter that's keeping it off. off. I didn't mean for the preach to start so early, but I just want to help somebody because Jesus's desire watch this is for us to have a spirit-filled life and remember as I told you back in the uh, last week that the Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is represented by olive oil come on somebody and if you look through scripture they're always talking especially in Bible days they used to have lanterns that were filled with oil and they used to talk about making sure that there's oil in your lamp uh, because God's desire is for the lamp to keep on burning and the fact is that many of us, the reason why you only got match faith is because your, your, the fire that you have is just con is connected to an experience uh, and not the person of the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, I feel these, these 720 is going to make me jump to the roof today because I just feel the power in this place. Because a lot of us, your experience is what determines your, the, 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 the Sunday morning experience. You don't got nothing more than Sunday morning. You don't crack your Bible. You don't even crack your Bible when you're in church. You don't search it up. You just look at the screens. Oh, come on. Yes, pastor, serve me this morning. I'm a consumer and I'm going to show up. And yeah, you better put it on the screen because I'm too lazy. I'd rather scroll on Instagram. I'll sit there and scroll for two hours, just scrolling, scrolling, break it off my thumb, get carpal tunnel and arthritis from scrolling and double tapping on people that don't know nothing. Come on, somebody. And don't have a heaven or a hell to put me in. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that understands that oftentimes... This is what our experience looks like because it's attached to an event. 
come on and not the oil hmm. and as i told you oil is expensive come on sometimes you gotta cry sometimes you gotta get to the place it, it costs for you to have oil for god because you know how they get oil out of olives they crush them oh my and the oil comes out and so some of you you've been you right now you're in a place where you're in some crushing oh this ain't my preach but i just might as well just throw this one in to let about five of you know the crushing that's happening in your life is producing some oil to keep the fire going come on somebody Mm-hmm. and some of y'all you're wondering you're saying God why is it that you're allowing this to happen he's saying I'm just trying to get some oil out of you because I want that when people look at you that they're able to see the light and it wasn't just a flash in the pan some of you your your fire is attached to your situation and so this is why you're it's situational so it's that's why it's up and down when things are good and when things are going good, you're, you're just golly gee, Jesus is so good and we just love him and he's just wonderful. But then as soon as stuff goes wrong, and that's how you know you have match faith. Come on, somebody. Because oil-based faith is one that endures. Uh, who's with me i see i want you to get this i want you to get this because i'm not here to condemn you i just want to challenge you i just want to fan into flame i want to let you know today that if you are saved you have the holy spirit in you but the magnitude of the experience that you have with god is determined by you and so the book of Acts, you're like, well, pastor, when we look through the book of Acts, uh, the, you know, people were running around. Uh, like, for example, Peter is preaching. And while Peter is yet preaching in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit gives utterance. And, you know, there are other times when they lay hands, the apostle lays hands and then they get the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 238 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins in the name of the Lord Jesus, I can't forget that part, right? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so look, it's crazy because through the book of Acts, right? There are many of us who build our denominations, our entire thought process on what we see in the book of Acts. Well, now watch this. First of all, let me tell you that the book of Acts is experiential. It's not doctrinal. And what I mean by this is that it's an, it, it documents the coming of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of the church. But it is not meant to establish a formula because we see that countless times, and we're going to unpack it a little bit more, that God switches up the way in which he pours out the Holy Spirit. So how can you build a doctrine on something that we see multiple orders for it throughout the book? What he was trying, this is why entire organizations, and they tell you if you didn't get it this way, then you don't have the oil. If you didn't do this, then such as, no, yes, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit first shows up, he chose to manifest through tongues. And this was one of the ways, especially, that they noted that the Holy Spirit had entered and had come into the life of believers. However, if you continue to go throughout the epistles, which are the letters of Paul to the church, and even beyond this, just look at the rest of the experience with the church, there are more ways that the Holy Spirit manifests than just through tongues. And the Holy Spirit, watch this, the book of Acts is highlighting the primary experience with the Holy Ghost and the church. 
And so this is the way that God chose and, uh, and he did this throughout the book of Acts. And so we find this now that this is the primary experience, right? Uh, now, the thing is that this teaches us that God keeps his promises. Remember, he promised the apostles that he, the day would come if they waited that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. So the fact that he showed up proved that God keeps his promises. Who's still with me? But not only this, it also teaches us that God's movement, watch this, that God is not monotonous. In other words, God, we can't put God and his movement in a box. There are many of us, and this is what denominations do. What a lot of denominations do is they try to put God in a box. And they try to think that they have the corner on the block as it pertains to things that are in scripture. But God has stayed away from that. Come on, somebody. And he moved and he did things differently through the book of Acts so that we would no longer be able to put him in a box. Are you with me? Who's still following me this morning? So look, this is powerful because this is the Holy Spirit is not just an event. The Holy Spirit is not just a starting point. And this is why we find, write this down, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and onward. I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. But the Apostle Paul tells the church at Galatia, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of this flesh. If being filled is just this event and that's what it's all about and it just stops there and goes no further then why in the world, why in the world are we commanded and are we encouraged to walk in the Spirit? Who's still with me? But not only this, in Ephesians chapter 5, so this is powerful, I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we are to be filled. Somebody say, be filled. filled. Be filled. I want to teach you this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and onward, the Bible says, watch this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Or some translations may say, wherein there is excess. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so here he says, don't get drunk with wine. And see, some people, they read this and say, oh, see, the Bible says that you're not allowed to consume alcohol. No, the Bible does not tell us that we are not allowed to consume alcohol. I don't have time to teach and unpack it. However, it teaches against drunkenness countless times. And so moderation is key. Can pastors say that? Moderation is key even as it pertains to alcohol. Jesus' first miracle was to change water into real wine. And see, people try to make that stuff and change it. No. And so now, with that, we also are to be responsible. And so we submit ourselves to the laws of the land. And some of you don't need to be drinking because of your bloodline. Come on, somebody. And some of you, watch this, don't need to be drinking because of, your, because of the fact that you are an addict. And so if you are in that position, then you know who you are and some of you need to get help in this area. And there is help and deliverance for you. But this is not the point of what Paul is teaching. However, this is what he's combating and he's contrasting it to talking about the Holy Spirit. In this time, watch this, they used to practice, they used to worship the God Bacchus. Everybody say Bacchus. And in this time, what they would do is, in this time, 
they would have because they believed that Bacchus was the god of wine. And for those who are note takers, uh, uh, B-A-C-C-H-U-S. And so they used to have these orgy style feasts where they would get together, do all these pagan things, and they would drink and get drunk and run all through the streets and all sorts of stuff just to honor and worship the god Bacchus, Lord G, right? Now, this is the thing. I want you to see this. And they would listen to all sorts of wild songs. And so this was known as a Bacchanalian practice. Okay. So you are wondering, a lot of us wonder. See, I, I love a woke up, right? Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm a freshie fam. I'll broke out. And I love having fun. Watch this. But you need to understand that a lot of these carnivals, the, ever heard the word bacchanal? Yeah. Ever heard the word bacchanal? Listen, the bacchanalian feast from back in these days is one that's set up where people wildly go out and brook out and they get drunk and have orgies and are sexually irresponsible. And it's all in worship of the god Bacchus. So when you're out there singing about Bacchanal, you need to understand the history and the origin of Bacchanal. Okay. Can we just look at some history? So this is in the this is so this is what Paul's saying. He's saying he's saying leave the Bacchanal alone because so he's not just talking about alcohol. But he's talking about all the practices that were taking place in this time in an orgiest sort of a fashion. And he's saying in this case, he's saying that you need to make sure that you're not drunk with wine. But that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And so this is the thing. He's saying, stop being free with the bottle and stop being so. Because see, we embrace the things we want to embrace. And a lot of times, the reason why we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit is because we're filled with other things. Oh, who's with me? And so it's not that you don't have this. It's not that you don't have the space, but it's that you're filled with something else. And he's saying, he's saying, he's saying, leave that stuff alone. Leave being intoxicated alone. And he's saying, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand this because many of us, we just teach about the Holy Spirit, like I said, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, many denominations do, as a subsequent experience to salvation, meaning that you just get the Holy Spirit later on. But I told you, no, you get it from salvation. Ephesians 4.30, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12 and onward. You get it at salvation. Titus 3 verse 5. It's from the beginning. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is based, watch this, on our intimacy level with the Holy Spirit. He's already in you if you're saved. But you being filled with him is you. I remember, you can move that over. What you move out of the way in order to make space for him. Oh my, who's with me? Who's with me? Who's with me? Because I want you to understand this. As we go back to Acts chapter 4. Are we, are we, are we, are you, are y'all still with me? Acts chapter 4, look at this. Acts chapter 4, here it is, verse 8 through 14. We find, look at what happens, because we're talking about bold moves and making bold moves. I want to tell you, I'm trying to teach you, this is a life hack. 
I'm trying to teach you how to walk in boldness beyond anything that you're facing. Help me to teach this Holy Spirit. Look, Acts chapter 4, verse 8 and onward. Bible says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at what happens. See, this is what preceded what's happening. They're in a position where they just healed a man. God used Peter and John to heal a man in Acts chapter 3 who was at a gate called Beautiful and was begging and was lame. And God uses, God is in the position where he uses them to heal him. He gets up, he's jumping, he's leaping, and he's praising God. And out of this experience, the Bible makes it clear. Because remember, 3,000 people got saved at Pentecost. Later in this uh, chapter, the Bible makes it clear that 5,000 people. So two more thousand came just because of this guy's testimony. And it ends up being 5,000 people out of this whole beginning experience that came to Jesus because of this guy's experience. Now, this is crazy. Watch this. This is powerful stuff. So look, they are now being faced with religious people who don't think that they should have the, that they should be going around telling people about Jesus, right? And officials who are like, no, and they're imprisoning them. They are chaining them. In other occasions, they were even beaten. Who's with me? So look, here it is. It makes it clear, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit says to them, rulers of people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Here it is. Whom God raised from the dead. By him has this man, is this man standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no other and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. And he says, now when they saw the boldness. Somebody say boldness. boldness. Of Peter and John and perceived, watch this, that they were uneducated. <laughs> common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh my Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. When you live a spirit-filled life, look look what preceded that boldness where they could speak truth to power. Come on. These were people that had the potential. I just feel this thing. They had the potential to put them in bondage and put them, bind them up because they were standing for the truth of God's word. But they were able to stand flat-footed in the face of opposition and declare the gospel of Jesus to those who were opposing it. Come on. And the reason why, we usually just look at their boldness, but the boldness that they had was not come on somebody because of the match life that they were experiencing it was because of the oil the bible says that they were filled with the holy spirit and consequently there was boldness and look they weren't educated how many of you know that the holy spirit will propel you into the life that's even beyond your education come on there's some of you that feel like you can't be used by god because of the lack of education or degrees that you may have i'm here to tell you baby the fact of the matter is you're looking at someone that didn't even really graduate from high school i didn't even finish college come on the, oh my stay in school kids uh, but the fact is that look at this we were just up talking look at you saw what god has been doing and i'm
I'm here to tell you that it's not because of any goodness of my own. I was a kid that lost my mind to smoking weed when I was 17 and I didn't know that I was going to if I was going to come back, but I'm a living witness that because of the power of the Lord and the Spirit, the Holy Ghost being filled with his power that God can use anyone. Oh my, I wonder if it's anybody in here that knows that God has some boldness for you beyond anything that you can experience. Put those hands together and open your mouth and give the Lord praise. So look, 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 look. This is it. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and consequently they're able to do what they're able to do. And I think this is powerful because watch this, watch this. People are often, people are often frightened when they think about being filled with the Holy Spirit because they usually think about a lack of a control. And you're like, man, oh my gosh. I see how people, when they catch the Holy Ghost and how they act, you know, and every night I love to step, fam. You know? Uh, but you know the thing is and oftentimes we think about that as the only experience and people being taken over and people being thrown into the floor and rolling and so you're like some of you are scared come on somebody but how many of you know that that's not the only way that the holy spirit manifests and i want you to know watch this that here here can i tell you this can i hear you th- can i tell you this this is what i want to tell you real quick here's point number two for you uh, and i gotta move point number two it'll be up on the screens uh watch this it says uh uh watch this the holy ghost causes self-control not selfish confusion okay this, see this this ain't popular this ain't popular show me one text that tells you that the holy ghost comes to make you lose control give me one bible verse no on the contrawise my friend uh, the bible makes it clear look 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 the bible makes it clear in the book of galatians chapter 5 i told you i was coming back there are y'all still with me keep your finger in acts chapter 4 and let's look at galatians chapter 5 because some of y'all you're like i don't want to lose control and that's an issue anyway control issue you need to be delivered from but that's not even that's another story look galatians chapter 5 verse 16 but i say to you walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit somebody say the holy ghost And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. I'll stick a pin in that. I want to come back another time. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensual, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, there it is again, orgies, and things the like. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, mind you, he's not saying if you mess up or if you're struggling, which means you're on a path to doing what you need to do. No, salvation is not based upon your works. But there are people who are living these lifestyles, opposing and aside from God, and careth not. And think that they're going to live like hell and go to heaven. And God doesn't care. But how many of you know the devil is a liar? So these are works of the flesh. And then he goes on in verse, uh, he goes on in verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of a life that is filled with the spirit, a fruit, the fruit of a life that's in step with the Holy Ghost. Look at what he says is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here's this one right here. Lose control? What? It don't say that in the text? Self-control. There it is. Against such thing, there is no law. And I want you to understand, because many of us, this is the problem with the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was all about, they were so, they loved the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And trust me, some of y'all don't even understand why I'm saying this stuff. You're like, what, is, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, it's, this part is not for you. It's for the, the religious folk that go running around telling everybody that if their spiritual experience, if they don't lose control and flop around like a jellyfish, that they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Or watch this, that you, many of you, you will go into services and the only way you'll think that the Holy Spirit showed up is if people are running around going going crazy going off now mind you like i told you i speak in tongues you'll catch me taking laps and i love jumping and i'm excited about it but that is not the only expression of the holy spirit and let me tell you this even when i speak in tongues i choose to speak in tongues Some of y'all, there are people who I might be preaching right now and you go to churches and they'll stand up in the middle of service and start. It's like, how in the world is God speaking through me and speaking through you at the same time? Okay, y'all don't like this type of preaching. Okay, look, let me show you in the book. And some of y'all, you keep it because see, this is the thing you don't understand that a lot of this is the stuff that's damaging a lot of Christians and hindering people from experiencing Christ because you think that you got to allow. No, I just couldn't control myself. Then you don't got the Holy Ghost because a fruit of the spirit is not lose control. It's self-control and the spirit of a prophet is subject to. <laughs> Look, 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 okay, watch this, watch this, because you think, watch this, Peter was actually, when Paul was saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, see, some people think he was saying, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing it? Look, 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 no, 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 he's contrasting, he's saying, don't live a life that's reckless and drunken, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it brings control and sobriety. Oh my! This is why he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 to be sober. Okay. Am I in the book or am I in the book? Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at what he says to the church at Corinth when he's talking about tongues. And they're like, we want to speak in tongues and we want to go off and we, everybody wants to prophesy. And he's like, yo fam, y'all are out of order. And look at what he says in the text in verse, uh, and, and he actually says it right after the text I just quoted in verse 32. The spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. And then he goes on and says, for God is not a God of confusion. Am I in the book? But of peace. 
And so I want to encourage you to understand there are many of us, there are many of you that are in a position where you are away and where you are hindered from experiencing and embracing the Holy Spirit because you think he comes to make you lose control. No, and I don't know this. I'm not coming against the sovereignty of God, but I'm saying more times than not, it's about our selfish confusion and not the leading of the Lord. This is why, this is why 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, Paul tells his son in the gospel, Timothy, write it down. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, he says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and watch this, and self-control. Some translations say a sound mind, but self-control. Are you with me? So anyways, I'm just going on. I want you to understand this. And so this is what we're talking about. We're not talking. God comes to give you self-control so you can control yourself and submit yourself to his word and his will. And now watch this. I'm going on. And so number three, can I give you point number three? Here it is. This is what I want you to get. I'm talking about not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Point number three, don't shortchange yourself through a partial experience with God. Let me say it again. Don't shortchange yourself through a partial experience with God. There are many of you that God has. How many of you know God has so much for you? Oh, I'm telling you, being filled with the Holy Spirit will change your life. Come on. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, leading a spirit-filled life will change you forever. It will open doors. It will empower you to walk boldly into situations and through situations like we see in the life of the apostles. It will, uh, enco- it will empower you to be able to bust through things that you're up against and that you're facing that would have held you down otherwise. But when you open, when you uh, lessen your experience, when you put one of these to the Holy Ghost, you're shortchanging yourself. Are you still with me? Here it is. As I always say, so, so don't shortchange yourself through a partial experience with God. As I say always, we can't limit God, but we can limit our experience with him. Here it is. Remember last week I told you about the frying pan? And I told you about making the pancakes? And I told you about what happens if you don't have the oil? That's the thing. So we have the oil if you're saved. But this is the thing. It's your responsibility to go into the cupboard and to take the oil out. And I determine, because there's a button on top here, I determine how much oil is applied to the pan. Oh, are you with me? So I'm the one. This is it. I'm the one that determines the experience and the level of experience. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're saved, he's in you. But you determine the level and the dynamic of the experiences. You determine how much you're going to apply. Here's a Bluetooth speaker. Now, this Bluetooth speaker is not connected to the source directly. Oh, who's with me? This thing is remotely connected. Now, the thing is that in this Bluetooth speaker, because it's connected to the source, even though it's not hardwired to the source, it has all of the signal in it right now. Oh, are you seeing this? But on the Bluetooth speaker, it has all the signal right now. I determine, because there's a volume switch, the level of the experience that I have, whether it fills my ears and whether it fills the room, is based not on the signal, but it's based on me turning up the volume or turning it down. 
And some of you, God is saying it's time for you to turn up the volume. Come on, somebody. Turn up the volume of the Holy Ghost in your life. God is here. He's here. He's here. You're not connected physically to Jesus right now, but God is in you by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying it's time for you to turn up the volume. Look at somebody. Tell them, turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. Look at somebody else. Ask them, what's your volume at? What's your volume at right now? What's the level of your volume? You know, we got to be, it deter, it's determined by you. Are you with me? And so I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Here it is. Just so you understand. In the book of 2 Kings, I'm almost done. Somebody say he's almost done. This is pivotal for us. 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 13. The Bible makes it clear in verse 14 through 19. Here's a story. It's, uh, it's uh, chapter, chapter 13, verse 14 through 19. Bible says, the Bible says, uh, Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness which he was, he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. This is for dramatic effect. <laughs> Literally. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. Are you with me still? Don't be distracted. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And the Bible says, and he drew it. And Elijah laid his hands on the king's hand. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight. The Syrians in Afek unto, uh, until you have made an end of them. And then he said, somebody say, but there's more. Look, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. So the second time he tells him, strike the ground. And he struck three times and stopped. Bible says, then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. The level of the victory that they were going to experience was based upon the decision of the king to strike. How many times he struck? How many times are you striking? Oh, I want to hear. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? How many times are you striking? Oftentimes, the level of the feeling that you experience is often based on the capacity that you are opening up to the Lord. How much are you striking? Are you experiencing a partial experience with the Holy Spirit because of your choice? This is the last one. Second Kings chapter four. What chapter did I say? Same book. Just talking about capacity and look at what God does. I want you to get this. This is pivotal for our church. I want you to get this. Talking about opening yourself. Here it is. Here's another story. Elisha and the widow's oil. Bible says, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that their servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? And then she says, and she said, your servant has nothing in the house except 
a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside and borrow. And he says, and borrow vessels. Now, this is insane. What do you mean? Why would he tell her to go and borrow? I thought believers don't go and borrow. But he says, go and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Uh, Empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself, you and your sons, and pour into all the vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she came to the man of God and he said, go sell all the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. This is powerful because notice, obviously, the primary meaning of this passage is not about us having, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a practical, a literal thing. And it highlights the miraculous power of God to provide for us in times of lack. However, I think it secondarily can be noted about the fact that that God, watch this, was pouring out the oil based upon the capacity that she had. And even where she lacked capacity, she went out to her neighbors and starts gathering other vessels. And the powerful thing is that her neighbors, watch this, had to be to get with the program. Her neighbor, notice she doesn't go out and borrow oil. Oh my. She goes out and gets vessels. Because look, she was getting, positioning herself to be able to experience the the miraculous power of God. But it was powerful because she goes out and gets capacity. There's some of you who showed up and this is why we're not supposed to do life alone. Because God oftentimes, watch this, will meet us and will help us through other people. Somebody somebody doesn't realize that you can use your faith on the behalf of your neighbor. Oh my, my, my. Some of us, the faith that we extend is only for ourselves. But how many of you know that you can use your faith on the behalf of other people? Watch this. You don't believe me? Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 5. I'm not going to make us turn there. Verse 17 through 28. There's a guy who Jesus, who is paralyzed, and he's being carried by his friends to Jesus. And then the Bible says in the text, says when Jesus saw their faith. Oh my. Are you hearing me this morning? When he saw their faith. The faith of friends. God uses the faith of friends to bless someone who is in a place where their capacity was low. And there are some of you, there are people in your lives. Come on, somebody. There are people in your lives right now that need your assistance and that that you have capacity where they don't because of what's going on. I dare you to become an intercessor. Come on, somebody. I dare you because the neighbors could have said, no, you get your own jars. But the neighbors partnered, were willing to partner with her because they wanted to see victory in her life. Watch this. And her success was not going to hinder them from getting. 
So she goes out and all the jars look different. I just can imagine she's going out and the jars just look different. She have all sorts of jars. Some are smaller, some are bigger, and all she has is one pot of oil. Come on, somebody. But because she was faithful and she walked after what the man of God had told her, she walked in the word of the Lord. The Bible makes it clear. Look this at this one jar. Because she went out, because of the support of her friends and those who were around her. How many of you know that there's power in friendships? Watch this. The Bible makes it clear that as she poured the oil didn't stop pouring until she ran out of jars oh my oh my i just showed it to let somebody know today how filled do you want to be come on how filled how filled do you want to be come on i mean how filled how much of the holy spirit do you want in your life i wonder if it's anybody other than me that says i need to be filled with the holy spirit i want him to fit you know i i i want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here in the text, as I bring this thing down to a landing, as we go back to Acts chapter 4, we find that, look, what I read for you in the beginning, they come out of this experience where they're threatened and said, don't go and preach in the name of Jesus. What they do is they come to the room with their friends. And this is why I tell you that being spirit-filled is not just a one-time experience. Because watch this. They are now, these are the people that were present at Pentecost. And they come back together and the Bible says that they begin crying out to God together. And then the Bible makes it clear. Look in Acts chapter 4 verse 31. The Bible says, and when they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to preach the word in boldness. Can I give you my last point? Here it is. Be prayerful to be spiritful. So when you're talking about, because there are different valves, there's the, the, the knobs, the volume levels, the, the, all these things that we're talking about that determine the level of how we are experiencing the, the, the Holy Spirit in our life. One of these things we see exemplified here is prayer. And there are many of us, you are not experiencing the boldness and the bold moves that God wants for you. You can't experience it because you don't have a prayer life. Come on. And there's some of you that your prayer life is as shallow as a kiddie pool. And God is saying that it's time for you to begin to open yourself up in prayer and to cry out to God. Watch this. Especially in the face of opposition as the disciples were in this hard place. And instead of cowering and going and hiding, they come together with believers and they say come on let's bring all of our vessels together and let's cry out to the Lord based on the word of the Lord that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I would hear from heaven and heal their land I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that what God wants to do through you and through me it's not going to be by might and it's not going to be by power but it's going to be by his spirit and it happens when we cry out I'm done what does your flame look like